today's message weighed heavy on me this week because of sin is. 
but we do have the right to call out each other's sin in the church. And so if we catch each other in sin, we should, by grace, and if we're righteous, go to the person that is sinning and tell them, hey, I see this, can you invite it in? I want you to know that this is a problem I think that needs to be addressed. That's not a bad thing. That's holding each other accountable. The problem I have is I heard people say that things are now as good in Christian music, and I air quote that on purpose, it never really mentions sin anymore. It mentions all the things that are good for you and how good you are. And if you listen to modern day worship, many of it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. I was going to play a clip of a song and tell you it was a Christian artist and see if you could find where God was involved in it. But I decided against it because I'm not going to do that right now. If you enjoy Christian music, enjoy it. I struggle with it. I struggle with it because I know some of the background and the histories of certain Christian music and certain Christian music groups out there. They don't want to talk about sin or the loss of sin in their lives today because everything is good. Everything you do is good. God loves you no matter what. It's simply not true. That's hard for people to hear. It's simply not true. God does not love us because we're sinning. He loves us because we're sinners and we're saved by His grace. Nothing that we've done. We were saved by grace. Grace covers a multitude of sins and so does forgiveness. However, to say that talking about sin is enticing someone to do sin, completely false. Not true. But to not talk about sin in our lives and what we do with our sin is like asking someone to cover up a bottle of poison with a label that says, go ahead and drink. It won't affect you. That's the spirit that we have. And as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteousness, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We need to talk about sin and its effect on others and ourselves. Today, that's exactly what David's going to do. He's actually going to paint a picture that's really hard for us to look at, but it's absolutely necessary for us to look at. So let's look at the sin of others and ourselves and in the lives of people and learn what it means, what sin really is all about. Psalm 39, what do we do with sin? It says this, verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrow has sunk into me, your hand has come down upon me, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. That's what David's talking about. My sin. The picture David is expressing here is a tough one to look at. We knew and we know that our sin is angering to the Lord. sin. Let me say that again. 
this isn't a fluff message. This isn't a prosperity message. God, in his indignation, anger, his wrath wants to burn against us when we sin. I know that's not fun to hear. I know that doesn't draw people to the church and fill up the pews with people's us up for. None of us are ever going to live up to that mark. We all 
sin. We all miss that mark. Every single person misses perfection. All It's true of all peoples, of all nations, of all languages. They all sin. Paul tells us this in Romans. He's quoting Psalm 14 when he does this. He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Yay. Come to church. I'm going to make you feel good. I'm going to preach a message that makes you feel good so that when you're going throughout your week, you can say to yourself in the midst of your sin, oh, at least pastor told me last week I'm good. Do you want to know why there's so many churches that don't talk about sin right now in America? It's because they need to keep butts in the seats. They don't want to talk about the uncomfortableness of our lives. Because they're afraid. And no one seeks after God. All of us have turned aside. And together we've all become worthless. That's hard to hear. Message to preach. We want things our way, not God's way, and we bring it into the church. You shouldn't change this. You should make it the way it's always been. Don't ever touch that. That's my sacred golden calf. How dare you take pews away? How dare you take fill it in? That's what happens. People get stuck in their ways, not God's ways. And then when someone comes in and changes it, whether it's the pastor, whether it's an elder or a deacon or a trustee, somebody gets mad about it. But if we go back to the beginning of the world, we will see that the woman thought she knew better. Let's go back to Adam and Eve, where sin entered the world. The woman thought she knew better. She was the one scripture that was enticed to sin. I have a real problem with that as well because Adam is right there watching her be enticed by Satan and he is silent. So men, don't play that game. It's the woman's fault. It's just as much her fault as it is our fault. Yes, she was enticed by Satan to sin. We were right there and didn't stop her. Didn't say to her, hey, honey, you need to stop. We know that we're not supposed to do this. We did it anyway. We're both at fault. I have a great book. I'm silent with Adam. Hey, men, really want to challenge in your life? Read that book. Dr. Larry Crabb wrote that book called The Silence of Adam. It is a tough, tough read. It's not very long, but I'm telling you right now, it's tough. Because men, most of this is your fault. You don't want to hear that. But when you're silent, you don't step up, you don't lead, a lot of the problems we have in this world is because men have stopped being men. God has roles for us. You don't want to hear that, especially today. Women are just as equal as men. Women can do all the same things that men can do. That's the message you're hearing. And men in school, stop being destructive.
Stop getting out of your seats. Start acting like the girls in class. Men are being told in this world today to be more like a woman, and women are being told you can be just like men. Wrong. That is an absolute lie from the pit of hell, and I will stand up here, I will stand up anywhere and say that everywhere I am, because it's a lie. God created us differently. Men were created to do a job, and women were created to help us do the job. And there are helpmates, according to the scriptures, and we are to love them. See, the reality is, women seem to think that they have to just be submissive. And a lot of guys like to go to Ephesians, women, submit to your husbands. In all things, do what they say. That's not what it says there. Because then it says to the men, submit to God. In fact, you are to lead your wives like Christ led the church, and you are to die to yourself. Men don't do that. Men are going, I can't really handle the money right now. You know what? I, I, I just can't do it. You guys take care of it. I don't want to get into a fight with you anymore. I just want to spend my time in my man cave and hang out on my cars and do things that make me feel good because all I hear from you is nagging. And they get into a fight. And then there's no communication. And all the women are really striving for is a man who's going to lead them, not just in his job, but spiritually lead them. And what I find is most men are illiterate when it comes to the Bible. And Satan knows it. And Satan uses it against you. The problem is the man is at fault. He's silent too much. And men, you need to start leading. You need to start leading your families, not just by saying things, but by doing things, in word and in deed. We do things out of intentional and unintentional motives. We do things out of intentional and unintentional motives. And that, guess what, is still called sin. It's missing the mark. If someone is working with a hammer and the head of the hammer flies off and kills someone, that's unintentional. In our justice system, that's still called manslaughter. In Michigan, that's third-degree murder. You still go to jail for that. It's not considered first or second-degree murder because it doesn't have intention involved. But that's where intent comes in. Murder is someone who is intentionally using a hammer to kill someone. First and second degree murder. We have rules for that. First degree murder in Michigan, if you intentionally kill someone with a hammer, you go to jail for the rest of your life without parole. Second degree murder is go to jail for the rest of your life with a chance for parole. That's the distinction. Manslaughter, when you kill somebody, is considered an accident or unintentional. We heard about someone who shot another person, they're going to jail for manslaughter. It's a real thing. And it's all up to our judges. They're the ones who decide. And I'm telling you right now, we have one ultimate judge. Do you know him? Are you following him? Because we are all sinners in God's justice system. That hurts. I like to think that I'm good. David describes it like an arrow sinking into him. That's what
that sin is, an arrow sink into us, or God's hand coming down on him. It causes both bodily pain and spiritual pain. This conviction of sin in our lives is from God. Those who know this feeling in our lives by experience are the ones that are best to tell others about it. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples, because it's not easy. You need other people to help you get through the sin that's in your life. But I'm going to say it like this. Those who've been forgiven, those who have truly been forgiven of their most grievous sins, truly the most joyous people in the world. I'm not saying happy. I'm saying joyful. Joy means to realize that in the midst of all your lives, you know that God loves you, that you've been forgiven. And those people who have been forgiven, forgive other people. Those people who have experienced grace, give grace to other people. Those people who are hurt, they hurt other people. There's a big difference. And as Christians, build each other up. That's why we have church. That's why I will never go back to having church online or having it where you can watch it on TV because that's not really church. That's a good Christian message potentially, but church is being there for each other, building each other up, understanding that none of us are perfect, including myself. I'm the first to tell you that I'm a horrible human being. the mark. We need that help in this life. Because sin causes pain and suffering in our lives. In fact, David tells us what it is to him in verse 4. I want you to pay attention to the words here and see if they ring true in your life. Listen to verse 4. It says this, For my iniquities, it's another word for sin, have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. sides are filled with burning. There is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the torment of my heart. Oh Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. The light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. Sin in our
is a humiliating truth again and again to our memories, tears. And it tears away every crown of glory that makes us know that in us, our flesh is never perfect. So why do we tear? sexual immorality. That includes everything outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Everything. Sexual immorality includes everything outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. That would get me canceled if I were a politician. That would get me fired if I were a CEO of some of these Fortune 500 companies if I said that statement. But that's the reality according to God's Word. Sexual immorality, malice, how about strife, how about lies, how about gossip, slander, insolent or violence, haughtiness, boastfulness, how about inventors of evil, disobedience to your parents, how about foolishness, faithlessness, heartless people, ruthless people. Those who practice such things deserve to die. Romans chapter 1, go read it. It's hard. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Here's your Academy Award. Congratulations having sex in your movie. Congratulations for revenge and murdering all those people in your movie. What does this mean in our lives? Well, it causes things to happen to us and to others. Listen to what David says it causes. When we sin, look at what it does to us and to others. It says this, verse 11, My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Kin is your relatives. They want to be around you, especially when you call out their sin. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear. Like a mute man, I who does not open his mouth, I have become like a man who does not hear and whose mouth are no relief. Dire needed time. 
many people don't think that way in the church. One thing I found very interesting in the church is it only took a pandemic for people to figure out how to document the church. I've realized over the time, I've talked to several friends, several pastor friends, they don't know how they're going to keep their doors open because all the people that would go to their church before have stopped going to their church because of a pandemic.
I confess my iniquities, and I'm sorry for my sin. Though my foes are vigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. How many of you feel this way? How many of you feel this way with your own family members? Because I'm right there with you. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Those who render evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Here's the beauty of it all, people. Salvation is of the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Romans 2.9, Hebrews 13.5, The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. So turn to Him in your time of need. Humble yourself. Turn. Be that prodigal son and return to Him. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. I'm here to tell you, hell is a very real place. And it is a wide path to eternity. Imagine many people who you know are going to be separated from God forever. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. Because it scares me. It causes me to fall on my knees and pray to a creator and ask him for help because they won't listen to me. They hate me for doing good. They hate me for being a pastor. They hate me for reading the scriptures. Your family and friends will hate you if they don't know God because they don't want to know God. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Oh, I'll do it later. Oh, eventually they'll come around. They'll eventually get to that point where they understand. I'm telling you right now, if you got family members who don't go to church, who don't want to follow God, I'm telling you right now, you want to try to treat them like they're non-believers. Oh, but they were raised in a Christian home. I don't care if they were raised in a Christian home. If they don't want anything to do with God, they're not reading their Bible, I'm telling you now, people, start to treat them like non-believers and start to share the gospel with them, especially in your home and the way you live and how you act and how you talk. Share that with them. Help them to know that they've been forgiven. Christianity is quite simple. It's one beggar showing another beggar where the food is, the real food, the spiritual food. I'll do it later. I hear that too often. God doesn't send us to hell. Our sin does. So turn to Him. You can save your life from sins. The sinless one, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect sinless life, died to fulfill the law and the justice of God forever. He did it so you could have a relationship with Him forever in heaven. He rose again, defeated death. He ascended into heaven, and He is preparing a place for us, those who believe in Him. That's the message that we have. So we can turn to Him. Repent. Turn. Find someone who's going to hold you accountable and learn to wait. Learn to wait on the Lord. Find someone who is spiritually sound. Find a church that's going to teach you the Scriptures and not just make you feel good when you go home. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, it says in Scripture. But with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses.
Pastor said, saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You're not going to feel shame and guilt and pain and suffering. Because you know where your truth comes from. It comes from him who created everything. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the beauty of this whole message. Sin is real in your life. Sin is real in your kids' lives. Sin is real in your grandchildren's lives. You need to share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. Because we're in it and we we are called. No one wants to hear that message. We all want to hear the truth. Look, life is easy. Life is grand. Eggs aren't $5 million a dozen. That's not real. Milk is really cheap, trust me. And five fifty, oh, it's easy. You can pay for that, right? I get it. My grocery budget has, it's, it's almost tripled in the last couple years. It's crazy. I just filled up my gas tank for my wife so she can go teach on Monday. And I'm looking at it going, $58 to fill up a, a car. What do I need to do? I don't have the money to buy electric. How many of you do? I'll take some of that from you if you need to spare it. I'm just, I'm so flabbergasted. So are you. But this is what sin does in our lives. We get unfocused on God and we start focusing on our situations and our circumstances and it brings us down. That's when you need to lift each other up. God loves you. God cares for you. God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. That's the message we have today. That's the truth. That's why I'm here. Husband, I have tried before to run. I've tried to run. In 2000, I'll never forget, I'm in LT, leadership training in Florida for 12 weeks. May 22nd, 2000. Leave this world. Like, 
not done, you're going to go to seminary and you're going to become a pastor. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm never going to do that. By the way, recently I told God I'm never going to be a pastor in Hawaii. Never do that there. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have enough to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I've been there once. I made the mistake of opening my eyes underwater. <laughs> Tastes so good. of our sin, and we need to realize that God loved him. And that's the message I want to end today with, is that God loves you. Even in the midst of your sin, God loves you. And that's why I want you here. That's why we do things together, is so that you're here. That's why yesterday it was amazing to see all these kids here, and then they go and play arcades for three hours. They went to the arcade for three hours, and they played video games together, and I'm thinking, you're going to rot your brain! Because that's what I used to do when I was growing up. Don't sit so close to the TV. How many of you heard that one? By the way, I wear glasses. Oh. See, my daughter just sinned. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Shush your shut past sinning again. But we're here for each other. Build each other up. Love each other in the midst of the world that's in this. Because I'm telling you right now, it's hard. But be here for each other. Thank you for being here today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are sinners. We need your grace. And we are going to repent of our ways. We're going to actually turn from what we're doing and turn to your ways. I thank you that you've given me the grace to be able to do that, that I no longer am drawn to drinking. I thank you for that, that I'm no longer drawn to doing drugs. Those are no longer temptations in my life. I thank you that it's no longer running after the things of this world, whether it's money, women, whatever it might be, that a lot of people are told it's, it's good to be a guy as long as you're doing all these things. Lord, I pray that you would bless us today, that we would repent. Lord, I pray that we need to have accountability partners here, that we as a church would build each other up. I pray for things like house church this Friday, that it be a place that everyone can come to, that everyone can be a part of, a place that's going to build each other up as a church. Lord, I pray for those who are not here, those who are going on vacation or just not able to make it today because of sickness or whatever it might be. God, I pray that you would be with them, care for them, love them in the midst of their lives, that they would know that they are loved because of you. Lord, I pray the last thing we need is learn to wait on you, that we can wait for you. Waiting is not laziness. Waiting is patient and working for your time. I pray that you would build each other up in the midst of this.